Welcome everyone to the Football Odyssey Podcast. This is Aaron Harris, and today we are going to discuss the history of American football in Japan. Although American football is still an obscure pastime in Japan, with around 20,000 participants total in the country, the sport is nonetheless recognized as one of the most passionate international markets for American football, as the game is played at the high school, college, and professional levels, and at various points in its history, has produced great viewership ratings for the National Football League. This may come as a surprise to many, since American football's global endeavors of the past couple of decades, primarily through the efforts of the NFL, have been focused on tapping into the British, Chinese, and European markets. But, American football actually took root in Japan during the 1930s, long before the game found any support in Europe, China, or the UK. If you enjoyed this episode about football's journey to the land of the rising sun, please subscribe and share, and let me know what you think on Twitter and Instagram, or reach out to me directly through the contact section of thefootballodyssey.com. And, as always, thank you for listening. The origin story of American football in Japan is unique from other international gridiron pursuits, because it didn't come by way of American military officers that played football to stay in shape and to have a little slice of home while stationed abroad. Instead, the story of football in Japan is an example of why people love sports in the first place, and that it allowed the athletes and spectators to briefly separate themselves from the austerity of their everyday lives. It provided opportunities for the athletes to exercise their strife in physical competition for the pursuit of victory and belonging, while the spectators lost themselves in the inspiring and emotional atmosphere as they watched the athletes play valiantly, gaining temporary reprieve during challenging times. There's no question that sports are capable of breaking down barriers between teammates and forming bonds between the teams and the fans despite different creeds and upbringings in times of conflict and seemingly irreversible misfortunes members of society look towards athletics for distractions and belonging to bridge the gap between themselves and their fellow citizens this theme is prevalent when talking about american football's migration to japan thanks primarily to the missionary work of Paul Roosh, a Christian minister that used the game of American football as a method of creating harmony and understanding between Japanese and American cultures. But before we discuss Paul Roosh, we must look back to the abolishment of the feudal system in Japan in the mid-1800s. At the time, Japanese athletics were predominantly focused on the individual, with particular emphasis on the martial arts, such as judo, jiu-jitsu, and sumo wrestling. During the Meiji Restoration period of the 1870s, team sports, most notably baseball and soccer, were gradually imported from various countries to Japan by way of foreign advisors who were brought to Japan to teach Western ideals and to expand industrialization. In the United States, however, American football was still in its infancy. Many schools played their own variation of football, some of which resembled a more brutal form of soccer, while other schools played an offshoot of rugby. It wouldn't be for another couple of decades that universities would compete under a codified rulebook that gave football a distinct identity from its British influences. 
As the evolution of the game progressed, the greatest minds in coaching would stop at nothing to conjure up strategies and tactics that would give their team the winning edge. These men would later be recognized as the pioneers of American football, such as Walter Camp, Lauren F. DeLand, Fielding H. Yost, and Glenn Pop Warner. One such pioneer, the University of Chicago head coach Amos Alonzo Stagg, would not only create one of the most dominant legacies in the history of college football, but would also introduce the game to a foreign exchange student who saw a global potential for a nationalist game. The student's name was Haida Okabe. Born in 1890, 1891 in Fukuoka, Japan, Haida Okabe was considered by many to be a natural athlete. In addition to achieving the rank of black belt in judo at a young age, he was also recognized as a proficient boxer, sumo wrestler, and tennis player. Relocating to the United States to study physical education as a graduate student at the University of Chicago, Okabe took an interest in football's complexity and aggressive style of play and inspired him to join the freshman team as a left end and tackle. Okabe was equally influenced by Almos Alonso Stagg's staunch belief that amateurism in sports, particularly in football, was the purest way to develop character in young men. Once Okabe returned to Japan, he began to disseminate information about American football, teaching the game to both high school and college students, as well as publishing articles in local sports magazines that explained the rules and illustrated diagrams of formations and plays. Okabe's mission to spread American football in Japan would be short-lived, however, when he withdrew from the sports world after being stripped of his black belt due to ideological disputes with the elders of judo's place as a sport as opposed to it being a traditional self-defense and spiritual art form. Nonetheless, Okabe's introduction would prove to be an important blueprint for football's future in Japan, especially amongst university students. Around the same time that Okabe was publishing works about American football in magazines, a young Christian minister named Paul Roosh would travel to Japan with funding from the Young Men's Christian Association to provide rescue support following the devastating Great Kanto earthquake of 1923. After a couple years in Japan, Roosh had developed ties with the local Anglican churches, and despite initial consideration to return back to the United States, he was persuaded by Bishop John McKim, Chancellor of Rokayo University, to stay in Japan as a professor of economics due to his passion for teaching and strong leadership skills. In his new nation, Roosh would become active in the Japanese community. Having become pa a passionate affiliate to the J Japanese American Association, a group of influential American and pro-American Japanese leaders, Roosh's belief in American democracy motivated him to foster transparency and understanding between American and Japanese ideals. But as Roosh would come to find out, tensions were deeply rooted in Japanese society, not only towards Americans, but also towards second-generation Japanese Americans. Japanese Americans were referred to as the Nisei by first-generation Japanese citizens. Nisei is a term designated for Japanese children who are born and raised in the United States to Japanese immigrant parents. They had dual citizenship in Japan and the United States, but many of the Nisei would face discrimination in Japan, for many of the native Japanese felt that if a war between the two nations were to occur, that the Nisei would choose to fight for the United States. 
Now, having endured prejudice in America and Japan, the Nisei were considered outsiders in both ancestral lands, often feeling like they were without a country. This anger, loneliness, and hostility would manifest and be expressed in various forms of self-destruction, such as alcohol abuse, violence, and even suicide. As Roosh witnessed the alienation that was occurring within the Nisei community, he felt compelled to find a way to give them not only a sense of belonging, but also a way to steer them from the dark path that they were on. Roosh heard that pickup games of American football were being played between the students of the Meiji and Waseda universities. Believing he could garner enough interest from the Meiji, Waseda, and Rakao universities, Roosh established the Tokyo Collegiate American Football League in 1934 and secured funds to procure uniforms and equipment for the players. The Jose and Kyle universities each provided one additional player to the team, creating a roster of 26 Nisei students that would face members of the Yokohama Country and Athletic Club on Thanksgiving Day at the Meiji Jingu Stadium in Tokyo. The Yokohama team was primarily composed of English and European immigrants who had vast experience playing rugby. Though these men were bigger and more athletic, they had little to no experience playing American football. In front of a crowd that drew between 15 and 20,000 spectators, among them the United States Ambassador Joseph Grew and Emperor Showa's younger brother, Prince Chichibu, the TCAFL team displayed extravagant energy and fight as they defeated their opposition 26 to nothing. Though not everyone in the stands understood the rules of the game, the exciting atmosphere and support was overwhelming for the Tokyo All-Star team. It was an event that Rouge felt was necessary and beneficial on multiple levels, both for boosting the morale of young men that felt they had nowhere to go, and for the opportunity to use football to create amity between American and Japanese cultures. The success of the game prompted Rouge to organize a series of matches with an all-American collegiate team. In 1935, in a three-game contest that pitted American players from West Coast colleges against the Japanese All-Stars, the Americans won handedly by scores of 71-7, 73-6, and 46-0. Though these games were not competitive, the American team had much admiration for the Japanese team for their fighting spirit and willingness to learn such a physical and complex game. One year later, the Tokyo All-Star team would travel to the United States with funding from American beneficiaries to play against the All-Southern California High School team, losing 17-6, but would then, face, would then force a scoreless draw against Roosevelt High School, Hawaii's top-rated high school football club. As American football began to gain more traction in Japan, Paul Roosh continued to pursue more opportunities to increase the exposure of the Great Iron Game and the land of the rising sun, even attempting to persuade Chicago Bears coach and owner George Hallis to venture on an Asian exhibition tour that included Japan, China, and the Philippines. But even though Roosh was trying to promote football to distract his students from the harsh realities of their circumstances, nothing could make them ignorant of the turmoil that was occurring in front of their very own eyes. For example, on February 26, 1936, a radical group of young Imperial Japanese Army recruits, with the aid of the nationalist group League of Blood, organized a coup to overthrow moderate government officials that were viewed as making deals that were unjust towards the Japanese military. The rebels occupied the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Headquarters, 
and assassinated three high-level Japanese government officials, including the prime minister and the finance minister. Furthermore, Japanese newspapers were beginning to propagate rumors of American spies being planted in Tokyo. One such article claimed that Paul Roosh and another American football coach, George Marshall, were using football as a way to spy on Japanese students, documenting information on their body measurements and sending it to the United States for combat intelligence. Roosh denounced the article as slander, and his students stood by him while other student groups protested and demanded the resignation of the university dean should Roosh and Marshall remain in their positions, leaving his disciples facing scrutiny and apprehension. It was becoming apparent that the hostility Roosh was trying to eradicate through the use of American football had been too prevalent to overcome. But despite the tensions and the collapse of the ideals that Roosh was working towards, his mission would eventually come to flourish and live on in the years to come. It would only have to wait until the Second World War would come to pass. We're going to take a quick break right now to get a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Stick around, everyone. World War II was in full swing. Japan aligned with Germany and Italy to form the Axis powers. The United States funded and supplied weapons to the Allies of World War II before officially joining them in the aftermath of Pearl Harbor. Japanese and American soldiers would converge on the islands of Okinawa and Iwo Jima, and the battles and bloodshed culminated in the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Emperor Hirohito made the announcement over the radio on August 15, 1945, saying, quote, We have ordered our government to communicate to the governments of the United States, Great Britain, China, and the Soviet Union that our empire accepts the provisions of their joint declaration. The occupation of Japan followed shortly thereafter. With a pair of cities left shattered and the surviving citizens critically injured, homeless, and on the brink of starvation, President Truman appointed General Douglas MacArthur to spearhead the redevelopment of Japan's government, economy, and culture. The mission was to establish democracy, to liberalize the right to religion, speech, and assembly, and to disarm the Japanese military to prevent them from being an aggressive global power in the future. But the American effort to reconstruct a debilitated nation would not be swift. Since the beginning of the war, the Japanese government propagated the war to reflect a divine purpose for their actions, justifying the invasion of nearby Asian countries with the belief that they had to liberate Asia from Western ideals. To reiterate the message to the public, Japanese officials banned and censored the English language and American sports from their cultures, specifically within the school system. Now that Japan had suffered a great loss at war, the sense of purpose and belief of Japan as a sacred land had disappeared. Soon enough, all hell would break loose. Anti-American sentiments from Japanese locals to the occupying servicemen ensued and amounted to bloodshed and black market demands for food supply and shelter caused turf wars between organized crime syndicates that furthered the violence. Evidently, MacArthur's mission was being met with great challenges. In order to ease these anxieties and frustrations, MacArthur recognized that athletics were a valuable part of both cultures 
and felt that reintroducing American sports, particularly baseball and football, would be a fine way to establish social diplomacy and to improve morale on a cultural level while political and economic matters were being resolved. Though not as popular as baseball in Japan at that time, the gridiron game had found a niche following among the private universities in Tokyo since Paul Roosh developed the Tokyo Collegiate American Football League. Before the war in 1938, the sport's popularity increased enough to spawn the creation of a new nationwide governing body of the sport to replace the TCAFL. It was called the Japan American Football Association, and Roosh served as its first chief director. Within its first two months, the JAFA staged the first East-West exchange game played in front of 25,000 spectators as the East won 21 to nothing. And by 1941, three more universities would field teams and join the association. But upon the declaration of war by the United States against Japan, the Japanese Empire outlawed the practice of enemy sports. And thus, football and baseball teams around the nation were disbanded. Once the war was over, football would be reintroduced to Japan, but not for the purpose that General MacArthur had intended just yet. Rather, it was reintroduced by the homesick troops that were stationed in Japan over the holiday season after they pleaded to their respective commanding officers to organize athletic competitions to give them the nostalgic feeling of the college bowl season that was happening in America. In Nagasaki, Major General and 2nd Marine Division Commanding Officer Leroy P. Hunt and Colonel Gerald Sanders organized a football game for the Marines. Sanders appointed two team captains that would attract great publicity. These two men were Angelo Bertelli, the former Notre Dame quarterback and 1943 Heisman Trophy winner, and Bullet Bill Omansky, former fullback for the Chicago Bears and 1939 NFL rushing leader. This match, played on the decimated land of Nagasaki, would be coined as the Atom Bowl. Due to the debris that still remained from the bomb, the captains decided that the game would be two-hand touch as opposed to tackle, though the soldiers still borrowed equipment from the Navy as a precaution. The game, taking place on, a, on New Year's Day 1946, was played in front of 2,000 Marines crammed into makeshift bleachers, along with Japanese citizens who watched from afar. Though the captains privately agreed to end the game in a tie to avoid a post-game brawl, Omansky broke the pact once he kicked the extra point for a 14-13 win. Though the Atom Bowl was one of, if not the first American football game played in post-World War II Japan, it wasn't impactful in the sense of inspiring the native people to adopt the pastime as their own. In an ironic twist of fate, Judo and Kendo were banned from Japanese schools for the fear that they would encourage militarism amongst the Japanese youth, leaving many students longing for some sort of activity to fill the void. This observation would prompt Peter Okada, a young serviceman stationed in Osaka, Japan, with the 108th military government team, to introduce American football to high school students in his free time. Okada's journey to Japan as a Japanese-American Nisei was anything but direct. As a young man, Okada, along with his three brothers and his widowed mother, were detained at the Santa Anita Japanese internment camp following the attack on Pearl Harbor. While detained, Okada learned of Father Edward Flanagan, an Irish priest who was offering jobs to Japanese-American captives at Boystown in Nebraska, 
which was a nonprofit orphanage for disgruntled juvenile boys. Okada wrote a letter to the priest and was accepted as a landscaper. After working there for a year, Okada enlisted in the army. He began in military intelligence before serving with the 2nd Marine Division for a brief time, and finally ended up with the 108th military government team in Osaka, Japan to reform the Japanese education system. Upon seeing the hindered attitudes of the Japanese youth, Okada received permission from MacArthur and the local schools in Osaka to introduce American football to the students. Once granted permission from all parties, special services sent Okada footballs, and on his day off, he began teaching the game to students of the Toyonaka and Aikida high schools, including the types of formations, plays, and how to pass a football. At the end of that year, the first high school American football match in Japan resulted in a Toyonaka victory over Aikida, after which many other regional high schools began adopting American football. Though Okada would downplay the significance of bringing American football to Japanese high school curriculums, his students would honor him in 1992 with the Peter Okada Trophy at halftime of the Christmas Bowl, which is the Japanese high school national championship game. While Okada was teaching football to high school students, college football in Japan was recommencing to continue the altruistic vision of Paul Roosh who denied the request of the, of the Episcopal Church that funded his missionary work to withdraw back to America once tensions were rising between Japan and the United States. An emotional rouche attached to his students and the land of Japan informed the bishops that he would not be leaving, going so, going so far as to submitting a resignation letter to the Episcopal Church. After his comrades returned to America, rouche, only one of a couple hundred Americans left in Tokyo, resumed his life as an educator and a football coach, but was kept under surveillance by Japanese authorities, despite making public statements claiming that, quote, Japan is misunderstood by the United States, end quote. Once the attack on Pearl Harbor had been completed, however, Rusha's sympathetic words towards Japan would not be enough to prevent him from being arrested as an enemy of Japan, and he was detained at an internment camp. He was sent back to America in the summer of 1942, and upon his return, grappled with the reality of Japan and ultimately acknowledged the necessity for war against the Imperial Army. Having served as a first lieutenant for the military information services to recruit Japanese Americans into the armed forces, Roosh returned to Japan. Once he arrived back in Japan, Roosh was pleased to see that college football was being played again. In 1947, a newspaper editor named Shikayo Hande organized an East-West College Championship game and called it the Koshien Bowl, which would become a staple in Japanese college football. One year later, American football leaders renamed the game the Rice Bowl and invited Roosh to the opening ceremony where he was welcomed with overwhelming applause. To this day, Roosh's influence remains supreme amongst the Japanese football community as he is referred to as the father of American football in Japan. And since 1984, the greatest Japanese football player of the year is awarded the Paul Roosh Cup. Into the 1950s and 60s, football in Japan had steadily increased in popularity. More universities began adopting the game, and NHK, Japan's leading broadcasting company, broadcasted more games on the radio for the public to tune into. 
Intramural matches between army bases were still being played and attracted modest crowds as well. Japan was also gaining international exposure for its passionate following. In 1964, Sports Illustrated columnist Arthur Myers chronicled the work of Donald T. Oakes, an American missionary that coached Rukawa University from 1949 to 1952, and detailed the influence his teaching and coaching had on his student-athletes. Also in 1964, the University of Hawaii hosted a Japanese all-star team to commemorate the 30th anniversary of American football in Japan. The greatest exposure came in 1971, when Chuck Mills, former Utah State University head coach, made an agreement with Japanese coach Ken Takeda to travel to Japan to play a two-game series against the All-Japan team, making it the first time a university traveled to Japan for an international match. Utah State won both games without troubles by scores of 50-6 and 45-6. Despite the wide margin, the young student-athletes on both teams appreciated the value of playing against their international opponents. After the game, Mills commented that, quote, I think it would be a good idea for an American university team to come to Japan once every three years. It would not only help to stimulate interest in American football, but would also give the Japanese teams a chance to find out their improvement and their level of play, end quote. Takeda was equally grateful for the opportunity to play against an American team, saying, quote, the coaches and players coached us even though they would play against us the next day or the day after. Through that experience, we are able to feel closer to American college football, end quote. After this game, Mills created an exchange program to train young Japanese coaches on his own staff at Utah State and at his next two coaching jobs at Wake Forest and Southern Oregon University. Mills would return to Japan in 1974 when he was the head coach of Wake Forest for two more matchups against the Japanese All-Star team, winning both 35-0 and 28-3. Mills again returned to Japan as the head coach of Southern Oregon University in December of 1985, where his squad defeated one of the premier Japanese college football programs, Kwansi Gaikuin University Fighters, 49-24. The following year, however, the KG Fighters would be the first Japanese university to play on American soil, giving Southern Oregon a mighty effort and a 21-17 loss after leading 14-7 at halftime. Surely, American football's presence in Japan would not have been possible had it not been for the men with a passion for education and a desire to provide a cathartic release for the impairing Japanese youth after World War II. Many Japanese students had maintained contact with former coaches, expressing how football changed their lives and the impression those high school and university playing days had on their upbringing. Soon enough, the opportunity to play the game they loved after graduation would arise with the creation of the Japanese X League in 1971. Although there are records of companies sponsoring teams in the late 50s and early 60s, the X-League was the first organized football institution for non-students and currently plays under modified NCAA rules. The X-League is comprised of two different types of teams. The corporate teams that only allow employees on the roster, which includes many global corporations like IBM, Mitsubishi, and Panasonic. The other types of teams are club teams that are sponsored by corporations, but allow open tryouts as opposed to limiting their roster to only company employees. 
The X-League originally prohibited American players from being on a roster until 2001 and currently allows each team to have a maximum of four players on the roster, and only two could be on the field at the same time. The league currently has 53 teams divided into three tiers, all of whom compete for the right to play in the X-Bowl. The winner of that X-Bowl goes on to play the top college football team in the Rice Bowl, which as mentioned earlier, was originally the bowl game between the top Eastern and Western colleges until it changed in 1984. The X-League, however, would not be the only exposure that the Japanese would have to professional football. On August 16, 1976, the National Football League would play its first contest outside of North America when the St. Louis Cardinals defeated the San Diego Chargers 20-10 in a preseason match in front of 38,000 spectators in Tokyo. The NFL wouldn't play another preseason game in Tokyo until 1989 when the Los Angeles Rams defeated the San Francisco 49ers in the Tokyo Dome. And from there, 11 more preseason games would be played in Japan until 2008 when the Atlanta Falcons defeated the Indianapolis Colts. These international preseason games would be known as the American Bowl. The American Bowl would not be the only international football series played in Japan, however. From 1977 to 1985, Mitsubishi hosted the Mirage Bowl in Tokyo, which was played between two NCAA teams before being renamed the Coca-Cola Classic when the soft drink company took over the sponsorship duties until the match was discontinued in 1993. Beginning in 1976, there was an annual tradition known as the Japan Bowl, in which an American all-star team traveled to Japan to play against a Japanese college all-star team until that series was also discontinued in 1993. The most memorable game from the series occurred in 1977, when University of California Berkeley quarterback Joe Roth decided to play in the Japan Bowl, despite the fact that he was dying from terminal melanoma. Roth embraced the Japanese football subculture, and during an autograph signing session prior to the game, Roth saw that there were hundreds of kids still waiting for his autograph, so he decided to stay hours after the session to make sure everyone got an autograph. Afterward, he went outside and began vomiting in the bushes as a result of his illness. Roth died at the age of 21 on February 19, 1977. To commemorate his death, the subsequent Japan Bowl Games awarded the most valuable players with the Joe Roth Memorial Award. Even going back as early as 1969, the Japan-American Football Association hosted an event known as the Silk Bowl, which pitted the Japanese All-Star team against an American team, such as Cornell's lightweight football team in 1976, the Navy Flyers, which was a military service team, in 1969, and BYU in 1977. And from 1989 to 1996, an international contest known as the Epson Ivy Bowl was played between Japanese All-Stars and an All-Star team comprised of players from the Ivy League universities. Every game was played in Japan and won by the Americans. It wouldn't be until Princeton traveled to Japan in 2015 to play in an exhibition game against the KG Fighters that an Ivy League team would challenge a Japanese team on the gridiron. To this day... There has only been one Japanese college football game played in the United States between two Japanese colleges when Keio University played Waseda University in 1991. The universities proposed the idea of playing a summer exhibition match in America after the 1990 Epson Ivy Bowl, 
and the Ivy League All-Star coach Carmen Coza, who was also the head coach of Yale University, embraced the idea and offered to coach the Waseda team, and even recruited his Ivy League rival, Harvard head coach Joe Restick, to coach Keio University. Keio won the game 21-19 at Harvard Stadium, and both coaching staffs and the reporters in attendance were impressed with the quality of play produced from the Japanese squads. But while the recent years have seen a dramatic decrease in international competitions between college teams, there are examples of international contests elsewhere. For instance, every two years, Ashland High School in Southern Oregon either hosts or travels to, to Japan for a game known as the Pacific Rim Bowl, in which they compete against a team of all-star Japanese high school football players. It was an idea that was inspired when Ashland High School head coach Jim Nagel witnessed Chuck Mills' Southern Oregon University team battle against the KG Fighters in 1986 and discussed with the JAFA leadership to organize an international high school match with his team, and both sides came to an agreement. It's a tradition that's held strong since 1988, with the most recent contest being played in the United States in August of 2019, resulting in a 48-16 win for the Japanese squad. Additionally, the Japan National American football team continuously registers as one of the world's most noteworthy teams in the international football market. In 2005, Japan's national team defeated Hawaii's All-Star team 20-16, and in 2019 played against a Lou Holtz coach team comprised of former Notre Dame players, but lost 19-3. In 2010, Japan traveled to Germany to play in the German-Japan Bowl, defeating Germany 24-14 and defeating them again in 2014, 38-0. Japan's national team also competes in the International Federation of American Football World Cup Championship Series, which is played every four years, and they won it all in 1999 and 2003, and came in second to the United States in 2007 and 2015. Furthermore, in January of this year, the National High School Japanese team defeated the American team in the under-17 division of the International Bowl Series that was hosted by USA Football. Though football in Japan has existed for eight decades, there have been few Japanese players that have captured the opportunity to play in football's heartland at the highest level. There have been some native Japanese players that have played college football at West Coast universities, such as UCLA or Hawaii but only a couple of men have come close to making an NFL roster. In the late 1990s, Masafumi Kawaguchi, a native Japanese linebacker that took up football during his high school days in San Clemente, California, was one of the first players to secure a tryout and a preseason roster spot with an NFL team. After returning to Japan to play college football, Masafumi began his professional career with the Amsterdam Admirals of NFL Europe in 1997. In 1999, he was named to the All-NFL Europe team, and that same year was a member of Japan's national team that won the inaugural IFAF World Cup. One year later, he was among the first Japanese players to be invited to an NFL training camp when he attended the Green Bay Packers camp and traveled to Japan for the preseason American Bowl game against the Kansas City Chiefs. In 2002, he signed with the San Francisco 49ers, the year in which they traveled to Japan in the preseason to play in the American Bowl against the Washington Redskins. But by 2003, 
he would be released before the start of the season and never made the final cuts for an NFL roster in his career. He currently lives in Japan and spends his time providing color commentary for both Japanese and NFL football games and also trains Japanese athletes for the hopes that one day they may be able to make an NFL roster. Noriyaki Kinoshita is another Japanese player with roots in NFL Europe. After winning a pair of Rice Bowl titles while in college, Noriaki joined the Amsterdam Admirals in 2005, but injuries would limit his contributions to their championship winning season. 2006 is when his breakout season as a special teams player earned him honors on the NFL All-Europe team. A few years later, Noriaki signed with the Atlanta Falcons and competed all throughout training camp. He didn't make the team, but his efforts were recognized, and Noriaki was assigned to the Falcons as an international practice squad member. Currently, he plays for the Obik Seagulls in the X-League. On the coaching side, there's very few coaches that have traveled from Japan to coach in America. In fact, the only name that appeared in my research was Suyoshi Kawada, an offensive assistant at Stanford University who was profiled in an ESPN article written by David Lombardi in 2017. Kawada began his football coaching journey back in 2007 when he met Stanford's new head coach, Jim Harbaugh. After expressing his passion for the game, Kawada accepted Harbaugh's offer to join the staff as a volunteer assistant and eventually rose up to being a full-time offensive assistant and quality control analyst, a position he holds to this day. Back in Japan, American football coaches are not very well known, but there are some exceptions, most notably Hideaki Toriyuchi, the former head coach of the KG Fighters from 1992 up until his retirement in 2019. As a head coach, Hideaki amassed a final record of 197 wins, 38 losses, and three ties, equating to a winning percentage of 82%, and was one of the last coaches to defeat an ex-league team in the Rice Bowl in 2002 a feat that is nearly impossible now due to the increased talent pool at the professional level. Hideaki began his career in football through Chuck Mills' exchange program and became the defensive coordinator in 1985 for the KG Fighters before taking over the team in 1992. His legacy in Japan stands alone, for the KG Fighters hold the record for most college football championships in the world with 30, he himself responsible for 12 of them. Although the history of American football in Japan is one that has largely been lost, it is still a story that is being written. Right now, the American football industry has its eyes set on English, Mexican, and Chinese territories due to the growing popularity in those areas, both in participation and fanfare. But given the shared cultural impacts that America and Japan have on one another, it would be fulfilling to see football become another aspect of this shared pop culture given its passion and history. Many current and former players, both Japanese and American, have commented that in order for the sport to really gain popularity to compete with soccer or baseball, the game must be explained in depth through media exposure, via television, magazines, and the like. Furthermore, a Japanese player that makes it to the NFL would be a breakthrough for the game. Size, strength, and resources have prevented this from happening, but as the game continues to emphasize speed and space, and as Japanese players begin to play at an earlier age and elevate their level of play. Who's to say that maybe we won't see this happen in the next decade?
if it were to indeed happen, then the future of American football in Japan would prove to be as historic as its past. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the history of American football in Japan. And hopefully, there will be more to come in the future. If you are interested in watching some Japanese football games, click the link in the description to my YouTube channel, and it will take you to a playlist of some of the games that I have discussed in this episode. And again, if you enjoy this episode, subscribe and share, and follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again, everyone, for taking the time to listen. Take care until next time.